Hi, I'm Rob, and this is Dad Sofa, a podcast about the things that connect us. Whether it is a rained-off attempt at a trip to the pub, or string theory, a cycle to Cornwall, or a chat in the sea, we talk about the stuff of life, what makes us curious, the stuff that connects everything, the spaghetti of life. Come and join us. Get comfy. This is Dad Sofa. Two years ago, I was doing Seth Godin's marketing seminar. Mad Men was used as a prompt for a number of the exercises, and so I ended up watching the whole thing from start to finish while on my static bike training into the winter. My static bike is in an area between our house and the garage, and while covered, it is cold in the winter. I usually start warmly clothed and gradually strip items until sometimes pedalling topless in the cold outside. Another prompt in the seminar was to look at five random books that you've never read and look at the style of the wording, what the blurb said, the font and the colours used. One random book that I had absolutely no interest in was a book by a gentleman called Wim Hof. I remember describing the font, large and blocky to display strength, and the colour blue to indicate the cold. Most of the book covered in mixtures of snow, ice and white colours with the face of Mr Hoff adorning the cover with ice in his beard, eyebrows and on the hair on his head. Strength through adversity. I learned from it that the style of the book cover needs to reflect the content within or at least to fit with the kind of reader that you're trying to attract. I forgot all about it until a few months back when I realised this book must have left a deeper impression. Mr Hoff appeared again and by this time a number of my friends had taken to cold water swimming. This is not really swimming as much as putting on some budgie smugglers and entering the icy waters outside in the middle of winter with just a bobble hat on to protect you. You stay in for ten minutes and then get out and gradually warm up to avoid dying or just the agony of warming too quickly, fingernails expanding at a different rate to your fingers, blood stuck in the capillaries making them scream in pain. Wim Hof appeared on our television screens and celebrities were invited one by one to jump into an ice hole somewhere in the snows of the northern Italian mountains. This was a shock to me because the reflex is built into our systems to breathe in with shock as our bodies hit icy conditions. The volume of water breathed in is well above the necessary level for drowning. It is for this reason that a number of individuals die on hot summer's days jumping into quarries, which are often deep with very cold water. You can train yourself out of the reflex by exposing yourself to the cold gradually. And so it was clear that these celebs had been conditioned already. It made me wonder how many may go outside and jump into freezing cold water with a not-so-happy outcome as a result of this, in spite of the warning to not do this at home. So it seemed a little cavalier to show this, even though they said don't do it at home. The volunteers had all gone through rigorous preparation prior to the first scene in the show. But watch it, I did, and then saw the people on the show do breathing exercises, sometimes weeping in the process. What's all that about, I thought. I've never really liked the cold, and this was not helped when I developed brain edge disease 17 years ago. At first, I avoided the cold, if at all possible, and when going out in the winter, would take a bottle filled with hot water to avoid the panic of losing the sensation in my hands. I reflected on the fact that since that time, I've gradually exposed myself to cold conditions by swimming in the sea through to November, sometimes spending an hour in there, but have learned that 45 minutes is about the limit for me. When doing Ironman Norway... I took cold showers in preparation just to expose myself to the cold and get used to what otherwise could be a rather uncomfortable day. The two hours of heavy rain for the first two of the six-hour bike ride were torrential, to say the least, with thunder and lightning. 
The raindrops sounded like nuts and bolts showering down on my aero helmet. Arm warmers made all the difference. So it was on the back of all this that I realised Mr Hoff might have something. So I ordered the book that I'd appraised on the marketing seminar and started to read it. During the first week, I decided to take the cold showers again and see where the thing took me. On day six, Saturday, was Epiphany Day. I entered the shower. It was hot and lovely, and I was wondering how I could turn the faucet cold and stand there for the requisite 30 seconds on week one. I decided to do the breathing exercise, 40 really deep breaths. Settled, I turned around. I'm a stand looking away from the faucet type of person most of the time. I grabbed the tap and started to turn the heat down. The cool of the water was okay. Then a little more, and colder, but no sudden breathing in. Then colder. Oh, now it does feel cold, but no sudden breathing. More, just deeper breathing, but more relaxed. Feeling cold, but somehow disconnected. Thirty seconds went by, and actually, it was probably quite a bit longer than that, as I was disconnected from time. I turned the temperature back up and felt slight dizziness, but nothing worrying. Then, a strange feeling came over me, one of emotion. Like those idiots in the room crying for no reason, I found myself feeling the same. Not upset, but not really able to say why, but the feeling was very strong. As time has gone on, it's easier to go into the cold, although there is always a reticence to do it. I have to disconnect and just go through the process. You can fail, or you can succeed. You're right both ways. If you say you can't do it, then you won't do it. If you just say, I'm going to do it, then you're more likely to just do it. So you actually decide whether you can or you can't. During the book, Wim describes his expedition with a group of people with different ailments climbing Mount Kilimanjaro, something that I did in 1993 when there was permanent snow and ice at the top. He climbed it with 18 hikers with little experience of altitude in 31 hours, a Guinness World Record. The point here is that three days is the shortest tourist-guided trek, and the dropout rate from altitude sickness, if you do it in that time, is usually about two-thirds. When we did it, three of us got to the top in three days, which isn't enough time to acclimatise. Six of us failed to summit. But five to seven days is often cited as giving more people a chance to get to the top. One of our group went blue in the lips. He'd trained for this, but of course fitness does not have much to do with it. Wim Hof did the climb in 2016, and it was snowing at the top. But there was less snow on the ground, because you can see large areas of earth and rock. Some of the recent images on the Climb Kilimanjaro guide come as a bigger shock to me now, as there is not any sign of snow on them. As the planet warms, Wim is looking for ways to expose our bodies to the cold and unlock a primitive part of our inner selves, and the science is showing that he does indeed have a point.